according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him, and he stayed close to the sea. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus came forward. Seeing him, he fell at his feet, pleaded earnestly with him, saying, My daughter is at the point of death. Please come, lay your hands on her, that she may get well and live. He went off with him, and a large crowd followed him and pressed upon him. There was a woman afflicted with hemorrhages for twelve years. She had suffered greatly at the hands of many doctors and had spent all that she had. Yet she was not helped, but only grew worse. When she heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. She said, If I but touch his clothes, I shall be cured. Immediately her flow of blood dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Jesus, aware at once that power had gone out from him, turned around in the crowd and asked, Who has touched my clothes? But his disciples said to Jesus, You see how the crowd is pressing upon you, and yet you ask, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. The woman, realizing what had happened to her, approached in fear and trembling. She fell down before Jesus and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be cured of your affliction. While he was still speaking, people from the synagogue official's house arrived and said, Your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher any longer? Disregarding the message that was reported, Jesus said to the synagogue official, Do not be afraid, just have faith. He did not allow anyone to accompany him inside, except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they arrived at the house of the synagogue official, he caught sight of a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. As he went in and said to them, Why this commotion and weeping? The child is not dead but asleep. And they ridiculed him. Then he put them all out. He took along the child's father and mother and those who were with him and entered the room where the child was. He took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. The girl, a child of 12, arose immediately and walked around. So they were utterly astounded. He gave strict orders that no one should know this and said that she should be given something to eat. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, many of us, uh, I hope all of us, know this story, right? We've all heard it. I think as Catholics... I often uh, say that we, we know all of Scripture, we just don't know where it is. <laughs> We've heard all the stories, we know all of, all of the different things. We, we might not necessarily know where to find it or in relation to what other stories, uh, but we've heard all of these stories. So what I, I think is important for us to learn the context, but also to know them more than just stories. I don't know about you, but, but when I first was preparing for this homily and read this, I initially kind of glossed over it, right? Oh, yep, I know that story. Okay, yep, Jesus heals the, he heals, uh, the woman and then he heals the child. Okay, great. Yep, I know the story. But there's more to it, right? 
you can know the story and not know the story. You can know what happens, but yet not know what happens. Well, what do I mean? Well, if you know what happens, then you know what happens. Well, with the Gospels, with the Word of God, there's more to it than just what we see on the surface. There's more than just the story itself, but it tells so much more. And the only way in which we're able to get more out of it than just, oh, yep, I remember that story, is by digging into it, by sitting with it, by asking questions, by evaluating it. Um, And maybe sometimes our questions won't yield answers. There's still a few parables that Jesus gave that I still have no idea what they mean. Uh, And there's no uh, kind of all the biblical scholars still can't figure it out. You know, there's not a consensus in terms of what he means by certain parables. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't read those parables. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to understand them. It just means that sometimes there's not a clear answer. However, it is important for us to dive in and to be able to mine and to be able to draw more out of it than just knowing the story from the surface. And so for this story, I'd like to just point out a few things uh, that maybe you didn't notice, but, and I didn't notice either the first time that I read it, but as I read it again, as I heard other people speak about it, it started to open things up to me. Now, for myself as well, one of the things is I don't do very good as an auditory learner. So that means that if I hear a story, I forget most of it, right? So I often have to see it as well. And thankfully, we have the word among us, which is in the back, and we've given out June. And so hopefully you've got that already. Otherwise, there's also July for next month to be able to read it ahead. It has the daily readings as well as for Sunday, which is which is good to be able to read before. But you also have in your pews now this book as well, The Worship. And this actually has all of the readings in it. So if you happen to not have um, um, The Word Among Us with you, you can actually pull this open. And if you go to uh, number 1146, is the 13th Sunday in Ordinary Time, Year B, And that actually has all the readings, including the responsorial psalm, so you can follow along with that, as well as the gospel today. And so if you want to follow along and kind of look at it instead of just hearing it, uh, but to be able to take it a little bit more, it's 1146 is where you're going to find that. And that's a great resource to be able to have and to be able to know about. So what happens in the gospel today? Well, the first thing I'd like to point out is that one of the synagogue officials named Jairus came forward. Okay, pretty simple, right? But what does that tell us? Well, we know that the synagogue officials and Jesus often don't get together, right? Uh, Jesus um, isn't in the normal operation, the normal hierarchy within this. And so there's many synagogue officials, many officials, uh, priests and Pharisees who don't like Jesus very much. So we know that something's up here. In fact, when we hear a synagogue official, what we should think is not somebody who respects Jesus, but somebody who's actually in opposition to Jesus. However, here we see a little bit different. Also, he named Jairus. So why is that important? Well, one of the things that we should note is that we don't receive the name of many people. We don't receive the name of the woman who's healed. We don't receive the name of the little girl. 
we receive some names within the, old, within, uh, the Gospels. And one of the theories about the names of the different people that we have uh, within, the, within the stories is that if we know the name, if the Gospel writer included the name, the thought is, is that this person was actually part of the early Christian community and would have been known uh, by Mark and by others. That Jairus isn't just this figure that something happened to and then faded into obscurity, but is actually somebody who tells, continues to tell his story about what happened on that day. And they know his name and they know who he is. And so that actually gives us uh, some sort of indication there of thought. So one of the synagogue officials named Jairus came forward. Now again, thinking opposition uh, within that, but we see seeing him fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him. Now again, we should imagine this, right? This man who is a leader of the community is groveling at the feet of Jesus. This man who has the authority is, you know, is, is, is begging at the feet of Jesus. And what we should see is somebody who's, who's desperate, right? This man has exhausted all other means and just hopes in Jesus Christ. It's not in his strength that he comes to Jesus, but it's in his weakness, right? My daughter is at the point of death. And what does he ask? Come lay your hands on her that she may, may be, get well and live. There's this desire for Jesus, knowing that there's something more here that'll come and lay his hands. This touch that Jesus came, this, this human desire to know that there's something about the touch of Jesus, not just magic or, or something else that, that Jesus does and can heal from a distance. And he does this in other parts. But here, Jairus is specifically desirous to Jesus to come and touch uh, and so that she might be well. So Jesus responds. He starts going with her, with him. And you can just imagine Jairus wanting as fast as possible, right? This isn't a, a request that has time. Like, oh yeah, come sometime next week. You know, it'd be great to have you over. No, it's my daughter is at the point of death, right? There is no time to waste right now. And so Jairus I can just imagine him kind of almost trotting ahead of Jesus and being like, come on, come on, we're going, we're going, come on. And Jesus is stuck in this large crowd that followed and pressed upon him. And so Jesus, if you've ever tried to walk in a crowd, it doesn't work very well. It's, it's very stunted, right? Because people are pressing on in all these other ways. And Jesus has to walk through this crowd, right? Of people who are pushing up against him. And Jairus is like, come on, come on, come on. And Jesus has to, has to kind of make it through that. Now, then we take a break. Now, the other thing is, is important to think about when we read scripture is that the gospel writers could have written books and books and books and books about Jesus's life. But they actually wrote a relatively small account of Jesus's life using actually relatively few words. So every single story that they include within it, every single account, every single detail that they include within it has some significance. They're not throwing fluff into the story. They're throwing 
important information, and they're framing it in such a way that's supposed to teach us about it, right? And so right here, we hear that he inserts within this, this other story, this other story that's connected in some way. A woman afflicted with hemorrhages for 12 years suffered greatly at the hands of many doctors. Now, what do we know? Well, as a Jewish person, we would have known right away that uh, any blood, blood was thought to be life. Right? So when you lose blood, what are you losing? You're losing to a certain extent life. Well, something that's losing blood is, is death. Right? And so if you lost blood, you were considered ritually unclean because there was a death aspect of your person. It's not a morally, it's not that the person was morally bad but they were experiencing some sort of difficulty that kind of put them in ritually uncleanness. It'd be similar to, right, COVID, right? If you have COVID, it's not that you're a bad person. It's just that maybe you shouldn't be interacting with other people, right? So similarly at that time, if you were losing blood, you'd be considered ritually unclean, and so you'd be excluded from the community to a certain degree because of the death that you were kind of experiencing within your very self, right? Um, And so this woman was not only afflicted with these physical problems, but also afflicted with the mental kind of exclusion within all this. Now, those were just a few words, but there was a lot more to it within the context by just reading it, right? We hear, okay, hemorrhages, but there's a lot more context within it that we should be able to take from it if we sit with it for a little bit and think about, well, why did the reader, why did the writer, why did Mark include that? Okay, so this woman comes up behind him. And we actually have a few different accounts of this actually happening. But it's beautiful. She says, if I but touch the clothes, I shall be cured. So there's, again, this, this touch aspect, this physicality of if I just touch the clothes of Jesus, Now, what I'd like to as well point out to you, if we think about within this context again, is that there are people pushing up against Jesus. And there are other people who are also suffering from ailments, no doubt. But yet it's this woman who comes up and touches Jesus's cloak that's healed. Now, why is she healed and not everyone else that's in the crowd? Many other people touched Jesus but weren't healed. Why her? Well, we hear it at the end. Jesus, when he addresses the woman and she tells what happened, he says, daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be cured of your affliction. So what's the aspect here? Yes, touching Jesus is certainly a major aspect in her healing. However, even our healing isn't the most important part. Jesus does not heal us against our will. He also wants our cooperation within this. And so he, I th- uh, we see within this that faith is one of the most important things that she has in it. Why was this woman healed miraculously? It wasn't just because she touched Jesus. It's because she touched Jesus with her faith, Right? And with that, even more importantly, she was saved. She received peace and also was cured of her affliction. Now, all that has been happening, right? And as we hear that story, we kind of get drawn into that. But who did we forget? Jairus, right? 
Jairus and his daughter who's at the point of death. And you can just imagine, again, I don't know whether you've ever experienced this, but when you've got something that's important and a person doesn't give you their full attention, you're kind of put out, right? So you can imagine, again, Jairus' emotions here. His daughter is at the point of death and he just had to watch Jesus take care of somebody else. And he's like, no, no, Jesus, my daughter's at the point of death. Like, come on, let's go, let's go, right? And so um, at that point, as soon as Jairus is like, okay, great, Jesus is done with that, let's go. Some of the officials from the house come, hey, your daughter has died. You just imagine, again, again, what is this emotion of Jairus? We should be putting ourselves in there. What's happening to Jairus within this moment? Great disappointment, right? Well, well, Jesus took his time for that other person, helped them, but didn't help me, right? His delay, his helping that other person, in fact, made it so that my daughter died, right? You can just imagine the disappointment, the struggle within this. And I don't know about you, but, but I can be in that place as well, right? Um, we can experience a very similar situation as Jairus within our own spiritual life, right? But yet Jesus goes something more. He tells us this important thing. He, he's telling Jairus this, but he's also telling all of us, right? We are put into this story as well. Do not be afraid. Just have faith, right? This faith keeps on coming up. And he takes them into, this, into the room and he, and he takes the girl by the hand and raises her up, right? Little girl, I say to you, arise. And she's risen. And why? Well, in the story of the woman, she had faith and was healed. In this story, it's not the little girl that had faith. Who had the faith that helped bring about the healing? It's the father, right? We see this interaction that we do affect other people with our faith, with our prayers. Um, We don't completely control other people, right? And and Jesus uh, asks us to not be afraid, to have faith. And just because we have faith doesn't mean that we're going to be healed, but it does mean that we'll bring about change and salvation ultimately uh, in the end. We also see within this, Two accounts that, again, are mentioned that are important. Well, why are they important? We hear that the woman was afflicted for hemorrhages for 12 years. We also hear that this woman, this girl, is 12 years old. Interesting that they're both about the same. Well, why, again, does Mark tell us this account? Well, Whenever we hear 12, we should think of Israel. The 12 tribes, right? So that we see not only ourselves being put into this situation, but we should also see Israel in the image of both the woman who's been dying all of these years, being excluded, being turned out, ritually unpure. And also the woman, the girl who's at the point of death, who even falls asleep to a certain amount of death, but is raised up is healed and raised up in Jesus Christ. We should see Israel as well within uh, these stories, uh, not only ourselves. 
Now, the thing that I took away from this uh, in kind of diving a little bit deeper and kind of pulling it out is the faith aspect. We see the importance of faith bringing about salvation and healing both for the woman as well as for the father. We also see that the next, uh, right before this account, we actually had last Sunday's gospel, which was about the storm, right? Any kind of... uh, reprimands the apostles for not having faith, right? And then right after this, we're actually going to have the account where Jesus goes to Nazareth, and it actually says that he's not able to work very many miracles because their faith was so lacking. And so we see within this aspect the faith being so important. It's not just the touching of Jesus. It's not just Jesus' presence, but it's Jesus' presence and being able to touch him. Now, what do we have every single Mass? We have an opportunity to encounter Jesus Christ within the Word of God. Jesus is the Word of God incarnate. And we hear the Word of God within the Scriptures. And that is a certain amount of interaction with Jesus where he touches us with the Word of God. But he also, as Catholics, we're so grateful to be able to receive him every single Mass in the Eucharist where Jesus becomes fully present, body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. However, many people press upon him and touch him and do not experience healing. Well, why? Again, this aspect, what are we often lacking? We often have fear and are lacking faith. If we can just touch the cloth of Jesus, we'll be healed. Well, we get to receive so much more here within the Eucharist. But it's not, again, just the touching of Jesus, but it is also the faith. And so let us come as, as Christians who desire Jesus Christ to touch him in our weakness, in our need like Jairus, but also in our great faith that Jesus continues to call us to as Christians, as Catholics.